The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to our Tuesday edition of the Leach Report, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Isn't it nice to see that sunshine? And baseball season starts today for the Kentucky Wildcats. They play their opener over at Kentucky Proud Park. And we will talk about that a little later on with Darren Hedrick from the UK Sports Network, who will be on the call. Mark Story will join us from the Lexington Herald-Leader. And Tuesday is also the day we visit with Larry Vaught from Vaughtsviews.com. So that is our guest lineup. So we'll just roll right into the Wildcat news of the day. We'll start with Kentucky basketball. Cats are not going to play until Saturday when they host the Florida Gators. Uh, John Calipari last night uh, reiterated what he told us after the game on the radio show on Saturday that he wanted his guys to have a little bit of a break They've been going hard. Uh, we're away from uh, their home base for a week because of having to go down early to Tennessee, to Vanderbilt, and then to Tennessee. And so they um, wanted to, he wanted to give them a couple of days to recharge the batteries, and so they get back at it. Uh, I think really tomorrow with a full you know regular practice, and he hopes that they will make up the two postponed SEC games next week. So that would be three games next week because they play at Ole Miss on Tuesday night. Um, Everything holds steady. And so Kentucky would have games uh, potentially against Texas A&M and South Carolina later in the week. Now, as we have uh, discussed here on the show, the games could be, the, the SEC games could be made up, but possibly against different opponents. And Kentucky would still, the, the, the two games that Kentucky lost were both home games, so they would have home games, but it might be against somebody that they've only played once on the road this season. So that uh, could potentially happen, or it could be A&M and South Carolina. It's just that both of those teams have been hit hard, and they had uh, the uh, bulk, I think, of the postponements involved those two teams this season. So um, we should get some clarity hopefully later this week from the league on how next week's schedule will play out heading into the following week's SEC tournament. And the um, women's SEC tournament, by the way, will start next week. We'll talk a little bit about that with Darren as well when he joins us. So um, still some work to be determined. We talked with John Hale excuse me, on the show yesterday about uh, the potential, small though it may be, for Kentucky to have a shot at an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament if they failed to win the SEC tournament. And I I would think, in, in, in John's story, he, he writes that he would think Kentucky would have to get one game above 500 so they could theoretically do that by winning out until the Sunday, and then if they would lose in the championship game of the SEC tournament, it would be 15-14 and 14 and maybe could still get a bid because they would have so many quad one wins on the NCAA um, report. And they would probably at that point be in the top 50 easily, maybe the top 40 of the net. Uh, f- top 50 easily, I would think, because they're uh, 
almost to, they're like 64, I think, right now. So anyway, it's a long shot, but it's, uh, you know, no games this week so until Saturday. So it's it's something to uh, to talk about because I think that possibility is there, you know, maybe even if they were at, uh, at 500, but... Um, I doubt that. I think they'd probably have to get one game above. Uh, a couple of other notes. Isaiah Jackson named SEC Freshman of the Week. Uh, Aaron Koffel from UK Softball named SEC Freshman of the Week as well. Uh, and I missed that she was uh, National Freshman of the Week the week before. Uh, asked Cal about the uh, infamous Chris Mack video on the show last night um, because Coach Mack, in uh, talking about it yesterday, mentioned that he uh, the first thing he did was call John Calipari to apologize. Cal said he uh, hadn't seen the video in question, but appreciated the call, but the call wasn't necessary, but that he did appreciate it. Links to the stories that we talk about, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page. That's at TomLeachKY.com. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Mark Story from the Herald Leader will join us when we come right back here on the Leach Report Radio Network. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. 14 past the top of the hour, we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Mark Story from the Lexington Herald Leader and KentuckySports.com. First, let me thank you for uh, providing a nice uh, laugh yesterday with your tweet that uh, said that you would like to think that after the 1983 Dream Game, Danny Crum and Johnny Unitas put out a disc tape and sent it to Dickie Parsons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought. Uh, I, 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 I think I would really like to think that happened. I think that would have been fun. <laughs> I, I, I got a laugh out of that. That was good. And, uh, you know, we need uh, need to always have a little work. As Jim Valvano said, work a little laughter into every day, along with some other things. So that was good. Um, I'll, I'll, do you, what, what's your take on, on all of uh, the dust up on the video? Anything you, you can add to the discussion or we can move on? Well, I thought the video was funny. I mean, it, I, I, it just seemed like guys, you know, that maybe had had an adult beverage or two having a good time after a big game. And it was obvious and just kept kind of how over the top it was. You know, I, I thought even before, you know, Kenny Payne came out and explained what had happened, I thought this is directed at Kenny Payne. It's not, you know, they're, they're, they're giving him a hard time. The only thing that I think is serious about it is, you know, the University of Louisville has had a, a lot of, the University of Louisville men's basketball has had a, a, a lot of pauses due to COVID-19 and just the fact that they, you know, the coach was in this video clearly not observing protocols and, you know, they had disciplined some men's soccer players early in the year for having a party and not observing, you know, COVID-19 protocols. So and that is to me was the only thing that was serious about it. The rest of it I just thought was funny. Yeah. That's kind of was the same take I had that it, in, in, in quote unquote normal times, it would have uh, been uh, not nearly as big a deal, but more just of a fan thing. Yeah, I think that's correct. Let's talk about uh, Kentucky's uh, turnaround. Uh, I was talking, I think it was John Hale yesterday, we were talking about this, and I, you know, I mentioned you look at their worksheet, and you go back to early January, and they did exactly what they've done right now pretty much, uh, beat th- three teams in a row, and the third one was a uh, ranked team or a very well-regarded team uh, and won convincingly on the road. But in watching them, the quote-unquote eye test, uh, this feels different. I, I feel like they're 
this is uh, this one will stick where the other one didn't. But what about you? I think they are improving. I think they have, even in some of the games they lost at Missouri against Arkansas, I thought they played well in games for longer stretches. You know, that first three-game winning streak, you know, I thought they looked really good at Florida. I mean, oh, yeah. When, coming out of that Florida game, I thought, okay, this thing, you know, they've got it going. And then, obviously, you know, there was some odd circumstances around that Alabama game in Rupp, and, you know, they just got whacked and seemed like they, they lost all their confidence. But, yeah, I, I mean, I do think, for the reason I said, I feel like they're playing lot better in longer stretches, and for that reason, you know, I think, I think there is some. I think there's obviously some reasons for optimism. You and I are uh, old enough to remember the last time. Well, I guess it's been two times where Kentucky went to the SEC tournament, knowing that uh, they had to to win it was their only chance for an NCAA at large bid. 2013 was probably that way, but 1979 was definitely that way and it was the first year they brought the tournament back it was down in Birmingham and Kentucky nearly pulled it off yeah that that 79 tournament I guess because Kentucky ultimately did not win it they wound up losing in overtime in the finals to Tennessee I don't know that people remember it as fondly as they should because Kentucky that, that was just an incredible tournament oh. Kentucky played you know up tempo you know that the game with Alabama, the 101 to 100 game in the quarterfinals, is one of the best Kentucky basketball games of my lifetime in terms of entertainment and just style of play. And you know, then they they, they just drilled LSU, the, uh, who I believe was the regular season champion, yes. killed them in the semifinals. And I and I think everybody in Kentucky thinks you know UK would have then beaten Tennessee in the finals had Dwight Anderson not broken his wrist early in that LSU game, and Kentucky just ran, eventually ran out of gas against a really good Tennessee team. But, yeah, that 79 tournament, you know, was, uh, it, 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 was, it was really fun from the Kentucky point of view. And they would have been an NCAA team under today's setup, but in those days they didn't take as many teams from conferences because I think they were something like 19 and uh, 11 after uh, losing in the SEC tournament finals. And, ironically, that's the only SEC tournament title Tennessee has is that first one. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was doing some research on the SEC tournament, and because Kentucky wins it so much, it's it's amazing how few have been you know won by other other teams and other coaches. With Bruce Pearl and Auburn sitting this one out, you know Calipari's the only coach in the tournament that's ever won the SEC tournament before. I uh, thought it, I found it interesting to go back and look at some past Calipari teams um, because of uh, – and it's not just with this, this Kentucky season, but it seems like so often, whether it's uh, it's fans or uh, before in the media, we're, it, we're uh, I think, a little too quick sometimes to want to uh, close the book because when it's – sometimes it's it can be late, but it's not always too late. And so I, I uh, mentioned a couple of weeks ago about the 2018 team that was six and seven in the league. This was before Kentucky went down to Vanderbilt to, and won and got to six and seven. And I went back and looked at Cal's first Final Four team, and through 13 games, they were seven and six in the league, just one game better. They were zero and five in one possession games, kind of like this team. And then they got it turned around. So um, it's often, uh, well, I don't know if it's often, but there are times when uh, it can be, uh, you know, not the end of the road when maybe you think that it is. Well, it is true in basketball, especially because of, you know, a tournament sport that, you know, 
as long as there's a viable hope for making the tournament, you know, there's always time to, to turn in the season around. And I think because Kentucky, because it tends to have, you know, youngish and newish teams every year, you know, I think the, the, the phenomenon you speak of is more relevant for UK than for, for most other uh, uh, college basketball programs. Now, I do think the one thing that was a little different this year was because of the unusual non-conference and the fact that they just had only one win before conference started. Right. I mean, I understand why people, you know, they're, they're, why people were skeptical of the, a turnaround coming or, or concerned about it, just because there was so little base of success to, to sort of launch from. Nine, uh, you uh, did a recent column about uh, 1963 being the last time they contested an NCAA tournament. <laughs> excuse me, tournament without a representative from the state of Kentucky because as well as Eastern and Moorhead are playing, they've got Belmont to go through in that league. Uh, Western certainly a, a contender uh, for a, you know playing its way in or maybe even in that large, but no sure thing. Obviously, Kentucky. Louisville's been trending down. So uh, I thought that was an interesting uh, note. Yeah, I think that's a really amazing stat. And, it's, you know, our state, you know, we're not an overly large state. But, yeah, I was born in 1964. There's never been an NCAA tournament in my lifetime without a team from Kentucky in it. And probably it'll work out this year, but the, but we don't really have a certain a team that's certain right. in a large bid. So, we're you know, we're pretty dependent this year on, on conference tournaments. I think Western is probably the favorite to win the Conference USA tournament. But the thing that's a little scary there is, you know, they've lost in the – conference tournament finals the last two times there's been a conference tournament there wasn't one last year so you just wonder you know the psychological you know barrier and the pressure so you know if 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 they don't win then you're sort of reliant on either somebody landing in at large bid which is not certain or somebody making a run and winning a conference tournament they're not favored in so that streak feels more precarious to me than it does in most years you can read that at KentuckySports.com. Uh, also, Mark's latest column about the uh, women's sports teams carrying the banner for UK and uh, most recently, uh, impressive performance by the swimming team at the SEC championships. Yeah, that's, that, I mean, to win the, the SEC in swimming is a huge deal because it, the SEC tends to swim at a high level and it's something that Kentucky had never done. And yeah, you know, you look at the women's teams, you know, volleyball's undefeated in number three. The swim team just won the SEC championship. They're ranked number three. Rifle, while a co-ed sport, you know, its biggest star is a female athlete. And, you know, they're ranked number two in the country and are, you know, will be one of the favorites to win the national championship. You know, the, the, the women's sports are, are really, a, are, they, they are the source of bragging rights for UK in this school year. Undefeated softball, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. You know, so, rank, you know, they're they're you know they're ranked in a lot a lot of sports. You know, Abby Steiner, the the track the sprint star, has run the fastest two hundred meters in the United States this year, the second fastest in the world. And and you obviously always have you know Ryan Howard, who is not a bad <laughs> basketball player. No, not at all. Mark, thank you much, and uh, appreciate the time. Thanks, Tom. Thanks you can read those me. columns we were referencing at KentuckySports.com, uh, and you can read Mark uh, in, in the Lexington Herald-Leader. We'll be right back with Larry Vaught on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, locations in Hamburg and in Palomar with a partnership with DoorDash now. They've got a new online ordering system if you want to do the curbside pickup. And they still have their heated patio seating as well at Wild Eggs in Hamburg and Palomar. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. 
We go back to the Kentucky Hemp Works Stuck Up Hotline. Bring on Larry Vaught. You can read him at vaughtsviews.com and yoursportsedge.com. Um, Larry, did uh, you had this Kentucky revival in basketball uh, scoped out, right? You're not surprised by this? Oh, not a bit. I'm not, nothing <laughs> about this season has surprised me. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what are you seeing that uh, you think is driving the turnaround for Kentucky? Well, I, I think more than anything until the second half here, it, it tends to just the fact they were, they were making shots and Davion Mintz is hitting such big shots, it seems like. But I, as I meant, asked Cal after the last game, it just seems to me that once he started letting them play faster and they started making a few more shots, it just seemed like their energy and intensity and everything about the game just got better for them. They seem like you're on the floor quicker for, for loose balls or helping more on defense. So it just seems to me like that everything's kind of just clicked in on both ends of the court. The guys seem like they all are understanding and accepting roles. But, but nothing helps more than, than making shots. And over the last four or five games, they have made shots pretty consistently from just about every position that's why they had such good balance scoring and i don't know what those subtle changes john makes but i'll take just making shots for a change it's been pretty good yeah i think the uh playing at a faster pace and i think that's kind of where it started where they uh, uh started to uh get more possessions in in the game and um but they they were passing up shots, and they were you know, kind of in sports. We all see it. You know, confidence can feed on itself, and so can a lack of confidence. And um, they uh, certainly seem to be uh, playing with a lot of confidence now. They sure do. And I think what really impressed me, Tom, was Saturday, well, the second half, when they couldn't make a shot. You couldn't watch on defense and tell that at all for the first time. And and to me, in most of the games when they were struggling offensively. They then have struggled to keep that intensity up on, on defense. That's why teams have been able to come back or make such big runs on them. But Saturday, I could not really see any slippage at all on defense when they were going 3 of 22 from the field. In fact, I would kind of forgot for a little while until I think I heard Mike mention on there with you about how, how many shots they had missed, how bad it was, because they had actually stretched the lead out a little bit. So I just yeah. kind of forgot about that, that, how good the defense was when you went to 15 up to 20 up and you only made two shots. That's kind of unbelievable. Indeed. I think that's an excellent point. We're halfway home. We'll continue with Larry Vaught when we come right back here on the Leach Report Radio Network from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Back into our Tuesday show, we chat with Larry Vaught from VaughtsViews.com about uh, Kentucky basketball's recent surge. And it has, uh, one of the things it's coincided with is a, a surge from Isaiah Jackson, uh, who didn't score double figures through the first 10 games. The last three games, he's had 18, 15, and 16, and he's shot 25 free throws in that time and made 21. Uh, so he's clearly becoming a really hard guy to guard. Uh, he's a force on defense, and really, you know, from his offensive perspective, if you take a point from the SEC logo in the middle of the foul lane and draw a line to a spot 12 feet out on either baseline. That's basically where he lives. 
Yeah, and, he, and he's understanding that and doing that very, very well. He's uh, made such improvement, and the way he's getting to the foul line so often, that's probably as big a thing to do as anything with the uh, improvement that Kentucky has made, the way that he's got to the foul line, the way other guys have made shots. But it's been so much fun to see, Tom. I wish there was a stat for shots altered, because I mean, yes. sometimes when I look up and see the number of shots he's blocked after a game, I think that can't be right. He, but maybe he didn't block them. He just either made them not take them or made them shoot them in such a way they didn't have a chance to go in. But he is so energetic to that reverse dunk the other day. But the fact he can go out there and hit that 12-, 14-foot shot like what you're talking about, that has kind of, I think, helped open things up a lot for Kentucky. Now if he can just continue to avoid kind of the silly fouls the next however many games Kentucky has, if they're going to have a chance to win that SEC tournament, they definitely need him on the floor for 30 minutes a game if, if at all possible. Yeah, uh, any, any game he's playing 30 minutes right now the way he's playing, you'd think Kentucky has a great shot to win it. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't say it's really surprising because, I mean, I remember talking to his high school coach last year about how hard he had worked on developing a little bit more of an outside shot. And, and his high school coach talked about what a good free-throw shooter he was just for whatever reason. It just kind of took a little bit of time for either Isaiah to find himself or for John to figure out the best way to play him. But whatever it is, it certainly is fun to watch right now. The other thing that was that came out of that game was just a funny moment. Uh, and you think about the where Kentucky was with its, with its three-point shooting through the first, say, third of this season and how – poor it was and um, couldn't uh, you know, uh, Dante Allen came in and, and hit the seven threes down at Mississippi State helped them get the win there because no, nobody else could seemingly make a three and there was a moment Saturday where Olivier Saar gets a rebound in the lane and he turns and finds himself absolutely wide open because four guys from Tennessee that were around him immediately went out to cover the three-point line for a kickout. I kind of rewound that a couple times on the on the TV to go back and look. I don't think I could remember a game whereby just abandoned the guy two feet from the basket. Exactly, it was just kind of unbelievable. And like you say, I guess he could have just reached up and dunked it if he'd if he'd really wanted to because they just all spread out. But like you say, I don't remember ever a Kentucky team or maybe any team period that was so bad at making the three point shots and now the same guys that couldn't make one, they all looked good taking them, and that's without Dante Allen really being in the games here lately, to be the guy doing that. If you'd have told me Kentucky was going to have a resurgence from the three-point line, I thought, well, that must mean Dante's making five a game, but uh, the way Davion Mintz and Brandon Boston are shooting the ball now, Keon Brooks knocks down a couple, Saar knocks down a couple, and uh, it's just really fun to watch, and it's changed the whole dynamic on offense for Kentucky. And you know you you can see uh, you you look how this has played out. Why Cal was pushing so hard on guys turning down shots because it's not a a team. Isaiah started to become a a guy who can make shots around the basket, but for the most part, I mean it's it's his worst uh, team in terms of two point field goal percentage. So they have guys that are just you know they they don't have a, a lot of beef, so. Uh, you know, they have the guards uh, collectively shoot about forty percent on two point shots, and so they were having trouble scoring. So all of a sudden, if you they're passing up threes, if you take the threes, they're not they're shooting essentially about the same percentage they've shot all year overall, but they're making more threes and scoring about ten points more a game that way. 
Yeah, and a guy like Boston, I mean, I watched him twice in, in high school and some other time uh, in person and some other times on TV, and, and hitting a three-point shot was never a big issue for me. I always shot pretty well from out there. That's why I was so baffling that he just couldn't make a shot. Now, he's still not the most efficient scorer that he ever was that you've, that you've had at Kentucky, but now if he's making some three-point shots, teams are having to come out there and he seems to have more confidence in what he's doing, and, and that has helped a lot. And then Davion has just been unreal with what he's doing and, and what has amazed me or impressed me about him, Tom, is the fact as hot as he's been, he still has not forced shots. He's taken good shots, and you would think maybe a time or two he might be tempted to kind of let a few rip. And he's had to sometimes late in the shot clock, but his poise out there is just incredible. Well, you look at Saturday at five in the first half, which was, I think, the same number Jody hit when he had his big game down at Tennessee, and then he didn't hit any in the second half because um, it, you know, I'm sure Tennessee adjusted their defense, and so he didn't try to force things. Yeah, in the first half when he was that hot, he only took five shots. I yeah. was kind of thinking maybe maybe when your guy's that hot, you might want him taking more than one shot every four minutes, but he didn't force anything at all. And the same in the second half when he wasn't taking shots, he didn't try to do anything crazy to get himself going. He just plays with what he needs to do. And it's just been really fun to watch what, what he has done. And it's, it's kind of a shame he's not got a full U.K. experience this year in he did decide to come back for that next season like like he could, I would really, really think he would enjoy that and it would really be something that he kind of deserves because he's given a lot to this team this year. But with the way he's playing right now, I think there's probably some folks out there at some level of, of pro ball that will have a contract for him. Yeah, it's it's true. Uh, I hope he comes back, too, just to um... – well, it would help the team certainly, but just to get to have the the full Kentucky experience, and then you know, senior day is certainly not what it used to be. Uh, but his would be uh, you know a second year where he goes through, and the team maybe they you know, have a good finish to this year, they have a strong year next year, and then he plays his final game after a two year run uh, for the Cats. That would be a, a fun moment for him. Yeah, it would. And if this team somehow won the SEC tournament, I don't know that they would go down as the most beloved team ever at Kentucky, but they sure might go down as one of the most remarkable finish of any team that Kentucky has had. Yeah, I've uh, been you know looking back at, at old seasons uh, as this has played down, not just Calipari seasons, but some uh, of Coach Hall's when I was uh, growing up following the Wildcats. And, uh, you know, the 76 team for me was they – it was an NIT championship, but that was a one of my favorite Kentucky teams, and they had to win, I think it was like six or seven games in a row at the end of the regular season just to be able to think they would get picked for the NIT, and then they went up there and won four more and won the whole thing, and, uh, you know, uh, that uh, that team, I remember, was beloved. Yeah, because when Rick Roby went down, that team looked like it was not going to win many more games, and they yeah. really struggled. And then there at the end, they kind of caught fire. And that run through the NIT championship, I remember everybody in the state was talking about it. And it was so exciting because the year before, they'd been to the Final Four and probably should have won the title. And yet, here they were in the NIT, and there wasn't anybody talking about fire Joe Hall and these guys. I mean, everybody in the state was really excited because of the way they ended the year. Uh, we're chatting with Larry Vaughn. We'll take a quick break, come back in uh, a couple of more uh, questions, and then we'll uh, get to Darren Hedrick a little later on. It's the Leach Report, Radio Network, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. 
It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Chatting with uh, Larry Vaught, uh, VaughtCuse.com, YourSportsEdge.com. Uh, we were visiting with Mark Story earlier about uh, his column on uh, the women's sports teams that are carrying the banner for UK Athletics right now. And I know you write a lot about uh, the sports outside of football and men's basketball and they get uh, the bulk of the attention and um you know there's some uh, clearly Mitch has made some strong hires with his coaches oh absolutely with the volleyball team being number 3 in the country they just need matches right they need people not to get sick so they can not on their team but on other team so they can play but they are incredible this year and then Rachel Lawson's team's off to an unbelievable start with the way they are hitting the ball. I don't know how Kayla Qualick was not SEC Player of the Week this year. I know that Aaron Koppel was the SEC Freshman of the Week, but Kayla, what she did in their six wins last weekend was just amazing. So they are often rolling in the swim team, the women's swim team, to go win the SEC Championship was just uh, phenomenal. I know I talked to Riley Gaines, a junior, before the meet, and she had sounded pretty pretty confident, and she ended up winning an event. It was on a relay team that won. Then we had her on with us Sunday morning, and she admitted that when she talked to me, she really wasn't near as confident as she was sounding, and she was just trying to kind of help make herself believe that. But for, for them to go and do that, it's just uh, incredible. Then for Mitch Barnhart to dive in the pool with her, Tom, that's one of the more strange moments, I think, of covering U.K. athletics. See the athletic director jumping in the pool like that to celebrate, but, but why not when you have that kind of streak going? Yeah, and I uh, said yesterday, I, I thought, it, and it's, it speaks to uh, the way Mitch um, operates, that in the picture of everybody in the pool, he's not up front. He's at the very back. Yeah, that, that, that's just the way that he is. And I know Riley talked about they had no idea he was coming. They were surprised when he got there. We're glad to see him. And she said, certainly never anticipated him jumping in the pool with them. But I guess it was just one of those spur of the moment things. Like Mitch took his shoes off and I'm sure emptied his pockets and then <laughs> went dive in. I hope, I hope, I assume he must have had a spare set of clothes with him or was going to borrow something because that's a long way home to wet. That's true, especially coming back as uh, as cold as it's been. Um, question from a listener, Gene, at LeachReport at gmail.com. He said, you have to have elite guards to win a national championship. Cal started his tenure with Wall and Bledsoe. He's had many elite guards since. So how did they end up uh, with Askew and Mintz this season? Well, uh, they were pursuing other point guards uh, and uh, as well as Devin. Landed Devin, didn't land the other ones. Uh, Terrence Clark's injured, and... Um, that's uh, he, you know, he Mintz might have had a, a different role if Terrence had stayed healthy and developed. But these two guys are, are playing pretty well right now. Certainly playing better than what they have. I mean, Devin has, has made some improvements and is getting a little steadier and, and not turning the ball over near as often as what he did. And I mean, his intensity and his fight is pretty good. And 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 maybe John overestimated a little bit about what Devin could or could not do and again maybe it's also has something to do with the parts that have been around him that hadn't fit together the the best in the world at, at times but seem to be now and and again I, I would never I don't think I'd use the word elite w- with those guys but no. they certainly are, are what you have and you just got to make do and as you said I think uh, Cade Cunningham it, it came like some people at Kentucky thought maybe he was going to that would have helped and there were some others but 
sometimes in recruiting. It just turns out that's how it works out. you got to live with it. Larry, thanks as always. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Tom. Get to a quick break. Darren Hedrick will join us when we come right back. It's the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios in Lexington. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Darren Hedrick joins us. He'll be on the call today on the UK Network for the baseball opener over at Kentucky Proud Park, Kentucky versus Miami of Ohio. Last week, bet you didn't think you'd be doing this, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, not with all the snow and ice we had, but what a wonderful day we've got here. Temperatures should be up into the mid-50s, sunshine. It's starting to feel like baseball, Tom. Thank goodness. Uh, let's get a little bit of a scouting report for uh, what uh, Coach Mingione's going to be able to put on the field this spring. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll start today uh, with a couple of new guys, some new faces on the diamond. Uh, Ryan Ritter's expected to take over the shortstop position. There's been several scouts and coaches I've talked to that believe Ryan could be the best defensive shortstop that's come through Lexington in a long time. Then you've got Ryan Hagenow, who's expected to start on the mound. This is a heralded pitcher who's got a great three-pitch mix, Tom. Fastball, slider, changeup, he can throw them to right-handers, left-handers. He's got a great makeup, a great work ethic. So I'm anxious to see both of them. Uh, Alonzo Rubalcaba probably will make his debut behind the plate this afternoon. He's got an elite arm. And then you mix in the veteran guys, Austin Schultz, John Rhodes. They're dynamic at the top of the order. T.J. Collette, Jaron Shelby providing veteran leadership. This should be a fun team to watch this spring. Sounds like if the new guys come through, they could be strong up the middle. Yeah, absolutely, and that's where championship teams are created in baseball. You want to be strong from the catching position up the middle of the infield and to center field. I think they've got a great foundation. What's going to be the thing the thing or things that they uh, do best, you know, Pitching, power, hit for average, defense, etc. What what are, what are going to be the, the strengths? Sure. I, I think defense is going to be a strength of this team. That was something that the coaching staff really honed in on during the offseason and really focused on improving. So I think defense will be better and a strength of this team. The pitching staff, as the young arms get better and get more experienced, I think by the end of the spring, pitching is going to be a big part of this team's success. Then offensively, there's a ton of power and a lot of dynamic speed, as I mentioned, with Schultz and Rhodes at the top. And then Arajanu, T.J. Collette are going to be stalwarts in the middle of that order. So the lineup's pretty deep, and I expect to see some power out of those bats this spring. We, we, you talked about several new guys. What about returning guys? Uh, and, and we know some of the names that have accomplished things already. What about a name or two of somebody that you think might be poised for a breakout? Boy, that's a great question. I think a guy that's coming back from last year, Chase Estep, seemed to get better last year as the season went on. I would expect him to start the season at third base. There's been a lot of competition at the hot corner. I think Estep could emerge with a big year. Jimmy Ramsey's going back to the bullpen. I think he's going to be a guy they use a lot in high leverage situations. So I would expect him to become a go-to guy in the bullpen. And I'm anxious to see if Hunter Rigsby can take over that closer's role. I think that's something they envisioned for him last year. And I'm anxious to see if he steps into that role and, and has a big season for Kentucky. 
Let's shift gears to uh, your other job with the UK Network, calling the uh, UK women's basketball games. And uh, South Carolina certainly seems to, I mean, they're a tough matchup for a lot of people, but uh, especially so for Kentucky, that size. Um, Kentucky had a rough day on Sunday. But now they come back, they go to Georgia Thursday before the uh, final home game against Ole Miss on Sunday. And it seemed, would seem to me Thursday's a big opportunity if you could get a road win like that could uh, either solidify a top four for the NCAA tournament or maybe move you up to a three? Yeah, I think this this Georgia game Thursday, there's so much riding on that one. You're, you're basically playing Georgia for a double bye in the SEC tournament. The winner of that game is either going to finish third or fourth in the league. The loser's going to have to hang on to try to keep a five seed or, or maybe fall further. And then you go into the NCAA tournament, like you mentioned, you get a win against the top team on the road, I think that solidifies them as a top four seed in the NCAAs, especially if you finish strong with Ole Miss and have a good run in the SEC. But Thursday is so vital for this team to try to go down to Athens and get a win. Uh, What level of attendance are they going to have for the women's SEC tournament next week? I think it's going to be limited. I haven't really seen a definitive number in terms of how many people are going to be allowed in the arena, but I'm sure it'll be limited to about 15 to 20 percent if they allow fans. And yeah, hopefully we 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 get a pretty good turnout with what we have available. And uh, it's always fun, as you know, when you get to tournament time. And it would be nice if we could get some fans in there. It's very true, Darren. Thank you, uh, and uh, have a good call today. Thank you very much, Tom. Four o'clock first pitch out of Kentucky Proud Park. You'll hear Darren Hedrick on the call for Kentucky Baseball's opener against Miami of Ohio. This day in UK history presented by the new Rave On app. And in 2011, I was talking about that 2011 season earlier, they lost on this day at Arkansas, 77-76. But uh, I chose this as a, as a note for the history because after that loss, they didn't lose again until the final four. Uh, they, at that point, had lost all five of their one-possession games. They won their next three one-possession games, won ten in a row before uh, falling by one to UConn in the Final Four. And happy birthdays to former Wildcat basketball players Tom Heights and Jamal Murray. We'll see you tomorrow on The Leach Report. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page.